Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miro Board. Today we talk retrospectives with Agile coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You've spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or Miro Board? Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously, online at the same time. Correct. Next. You need the team to act on feedback fast, so you turn all those retro notes into Jira tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M I R O.com. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. How you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. My very special guest on this show, Mr. Chris Carino, the outstanding radio voice of the Brooklyn Nets, who not only does a terrific job, but he does so despite dealing with a debilitating disease, muscular dystrophy. So like I said, listen up, because you're really going to want to get a load of this. All right, like I said, my guest today, Mr. Chris Carino, uh, in his 18th year, I believe it is, as the radio voice of the Nets. Uh, Chris, welcome. Thanks for being on. Russ, this is a, a, a great uh, thing for me to do this. I, you know, I, I, Not to make you feel older than you may feel. But, but, but you I, are making me feel older, I, but I, that's okay. <laughs> I, grow, I grew up you know, watching you on, on Channel 9 and Channel 5 and... Uh, listening to you with the schmoozer in the afternoons on the fan when I was a, a younger broadcaster, dreaming about doing this stuff for a living, and uh, so it's an honor to have uh, to be on with you. Well, believe me, buddy, it's an honor to have you on. Now, I, I am correct. This is your 18th year. Am, am I right? As the full-time play-by-play as, guy. That's yeah. what I mean, as the full-time play-by-play yeah. guy. But I mean, you. Uh, I mean, you go back with them to the 90s, am I uh, correct? I do. We were trying to figure out this the other day because I was at Media Day, and I said, you know what? This was my 27th Nets Media Day going back to my first year out of college in 1992. Uh, I had gotten a part-time job with the Nets as a studio producer, and um, I used to go, I, covered, I would cover Media Day to get some sound, and it was at Princeton. And Chuck Daly was beginning his first year as the head coach, coming right off the dream team right. from Barcelona in '92. You, you, you want It's. I'll digress a second. You mentioned Chuck Daly. I had the pleasure uh, of getting to know Chuck very well. We we actually became pretty darn good friends. I was friends with him and um, uh, his assistant Brendan Sir. But mm-hmm. I, I have to tell you, when we talk about great managers and and coaches. 
Yeah. Guys who, you know, obviously, you know, the, the, the Tories and the Parcells and those names always prop up. I got to tell you, Chuck Daly is one of the finest coaches I have ever come across in any sport, any place. Yeah. Not, not just the way he handled business on the court, but the way he handled business off the court. Uh, he he was relaxed about it. It was a gem to watch. Yeah, he and he had a great. He what I thought was great about Chuck Daly is he related to every player, whether it be a star player, the end of the bench guy. He he was able to relate to those guys. I it was such a um, it was it was a, an incredible decision to make him that dream team coach. I mean, he was one of the few guys I really think that for a lot of the reasons you just said was able to get the most out of that group and you and everybody could say well there was just so much unbelievable talent yeah but if you saw that dream team documentary where they all came together and it really didn't click right away and a college all-star team came in and beat them in a scrimmage that nobody knew about mm. and how chuck daly wanted that to happen and it galvanized this team it, it the thing that i always look with chuck daly is i i look at how all other coaches and people Always quote Chuck Daly. You're right. You, you know, they, they'll, you get guys today. I do it a lot of times. I, I use the phrase all the time in games when teams are down big and they come back, but they don't win the game. I always quote Chuck Daly saying, you know, Chuck Daly used to say, uh, it's easy to come back. It's hard to win. And so many coaches, mm-hmm. and when I work with Tim Capstra on the radio, he's always, we're always mentioning things that, that Chuck Daly said. And, you know, that's when you know you've got the respect. You know, long after he's gone, people are still talking about him. I, I, I'll tell you, the, the one thing, and, and then we'll move on, because I want to talk about the present-day Nets and so much about you and your story. But yeah. the, the, the one, <laughs> I remember this on back-to-back days. In, in Back in the days of the New Jersey Nets, remember – they used to practice at that trucking company. Yeah, uh, right, right. Um, Ad, what I forget whatever it was. The yeah. trucking company, you, you know, uh, just not far from Secaucus. But anyway, I remember coming in one day and they're, they're practicing, and I see uh, Derek Coleman sitting to the side. Mm. You, you know, not practicing, and I yeah. go over to Chuck. He says, "What's with uh, Derek?" And he gives me it, it, it was the way he handled things. Just matter of fact, he looked at me, and goes, he claims he's got a toothache. <laughs> I go, OK. He says he goes, watch tomorrow because he has a toothache today. Watch you come to practice tomorrow. Kenny Anderson will have something bothering him. I walk into practice the next day. Kenny Anderson is sitting yeah. in the exact same spot. And Chuck looks at me, says, I told you today it's an earache. <laughs> He knew. He, 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 he had he just, a feel for players. He just he just had a tremendous feel for players. But that was then, and this is now. And now yeah. we have um, uh, the Brooklyn Nets, and Kenny Atkinson is going into his um, third season yep. as the man in charge on the court. And, and I have to tell you, I don't know Kenny well. Uh, met him once or twice, but Kenny strikes he. Well, quite frankly, listen, you look at the record and, you know, uh, he was 20 and 62 in his first year and 28 and 54 in his second year. But, you know, Sean Marks picked the right guy for the job. I, I think this Kenny Atkinson is made of the right stuff. He came, he, he came into a difficult situation, and I think he knows how to deal with it. 
Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, the, 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 the problem when you're with a rebuilding team, you know, the wins and losses count on your record. They don't go away. And a lot of people don't want to hear, well, early on in my career, uh, you know, they, they quote your, they're going to quote your record, and it's going to keep adding up. So, you know, these coaches don't like to, to lose all these games, even though they know they're developing talent. But you're right. I mean, Kenny's in the right place at the right time. He's a New York guy. He was a hard-nosed player in high school out in Long Island and, and at Richmond. And, you know, he's always been sort of the overachiever. He went over and played in Europe. He's, he's had a lot of stops in his coaching life. He's been an assistant. And he got that reputation of being a guy that develops young players. And that's what he's doing. That's what, you know, the Nets were so deep in a hole, Russ. When they, after all those trades shook mm. out, and when Sean Marks took over, I mean, he was, they had no draft picks. They were in the tax in terms of over the salary cap. And they didn't have any keepers on the roster. And you look, in three years, there's one guy that's still left that they inherited, and that's Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who was a good draft pick by the old regime because he was, you know, maybe a little better than where he was drafted. And, and they've, and, and, but, but he's a guy that could have been out of the league if I think, if I don't think Kenny Atkinson came in and helped him discover the kind of player that he should be. It's just a really good example of that. So I, when, you're, when you're so deep in a hole that way in terms of your rebuild with no assets, no cap space, no draft picks, well, you know, what do you got to do? You got to find G League guys, second round guys, undrafted guys and see if you can build them into NBA rotation players. And I think that's what they've been able to do. They take, you know, late second-round picks like Spencer Dinwiddie, who was who a, a, a cast-off right. and in the G League, and bring him in. And what, he, was in one of, he was a candidate for most improved player last year. You know, you, you've got to find those type of guys. And now you can start. Now you've got your own draft pick coming up next year. Uh, you've got salary cap space next year. Now they kind of get on the clock. So that, that that brings me to this. Exactly. You, you used the phrase I was going to use. So now they're on the clock. Next year, that becomes the big year. So what do you look for if you're Kenny Atkinson and the Nets in this coming season, which starts uh, – Next Wednesday night, uh, officially yeah. next Wednesday night in uh, Detroit, Detroit against the Pistons. I, I, I mean, just to, to first just finish off with Kenny, is I think that, you know, I, I, uh, I did a game today, the, the China game for NBA TV, and I'm watching the, the Sixers play Dallas. And, and the Sixers have Brett Brown as the head coach. And Kenny reminds me a lot of Brett Brown uh, when Brett Brown took over the Sixers. Here's a guy now getting a chance to be a head coach that hadn't been a head coach, very well-respected assistant, and in a situation where you know they're going to be bad for a few years. But what can he do? And what he's done is he always stayed positive. You know, really upbeat guy, good energy, didn't let all the losing get to him, and that's kind of Kenny. And now he's in that situation where, all right, he's been a developing guy, there was losing that was expected, so he was upbeat. So now when they're expected to maybe win a few games, what's his attitude going to be? Is he going to stay energetic, excited? If they start losing, if they go through a stretch where they have a hard time, is he going to be able to keep that level and keep developing young players? How do you balance, well, I want to get 
I want to get these young guys better. Sean Marks wants me to develop these young players. But like we said in the beginning, these losses count on my record. Mm. I want to go out and win some games. I think the Nets are in that in-between right now. They're, the rebuild is not totally complete. Kenny still has to develop young players. they still got to find some young players. But I think they're still at a point where you're not going to judge them, or at least I don't think you should judge them, on how many games they win. I think what you're going to have to judge them on, in my opinion, is do they, do, are the, the young players that improved last year, are they going to make a jump and get incrementally better this year? Can they make this an organization that's attractive to good players that want to come play here as free agents so that they can use that cap space? That's going to be the key to me. And I know fans, you know, they get a little impatient. They say, well, it's, you know, we saw a little winning last year. We saw they lost a lot of close games, so they won 28 games. They really should have won 35. I know the East isn't very good. I'm telling you, we, they added a couple of pieces here. They should be a playoff team. Well, I think you gotta, I think you got to temper that enthusiasm right now. Don't worry about winning 40 games, getting to the playoffs. I think they've got one more year in them where we say, hey, can we keep improving the roster? Can we make this an attractive situation going forward? And I think, I think Kenny is the right guy to do that. I think Sean Marks is the right guy to do that. I just don't want people to get too carried away. It would be great if they could win 40 games, get to the playoffs. That would be great for these young players. It would be great for the organization. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't mean that this group has failed. Well, uh, they're, still, they're still building right now. Yeah, I, 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 listen, you know it. You know, being a Yonkers guy, uh, rebuilding in this city, in, yeah. in in any sport, is a very, very difficult task because they don't let you do it. When I say they, and not just the fans, the media as well, they don't let you do it. Yeah. They, they, they want immediate results. I mean, you, you got... know how it is, though, Russell, but a lot of times I don't think, I don't know if there's been a a team that I can remember that was in such a bad hole. Because another thing that New York does, sometimes they make you swing for the fences, right? We love sluggers. Yeah, sure. So that's what the Nets did when they brought in Pearson Garnett. And you said, hey, they're taking a swing for the seats right now. If they miss, it's going to be a Dave Kingman swing and a miss fall down in the dirt. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it was. They're going to be so so far in a hole, and that's what happened. So it's a di- it's a big dig to get out of it, and luckily, you know, the Nets fly a little under the radar. Yeah, they, they do. Yeah, uh, so so they they people can be a little more patient, you know. But you do have a core group that's really into them, and they're the ones that aren't going to be as patient. But I do think if they do this the right way, and I think ownership is giving Sean Marks the mandate, Kenny Atkinson the mandate, do this the right way, unlike we did it three years ago, being impatient. Do this the right way now, and. Boy, if they they can develop into a model organization in this area, and then they'll grow their fan base. Yeah, the, the um, you know you when it's interesting that you mentioned Brett Brown because I, I was thinking the same thing, and you, you know, no joke intended here, but you know that saying that people say, you know, what doesn't uh, kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. I, I mean, really losing. Not just on coaches, on young players as well. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, they come from winning programs. So they're not used to getting, for lack yeah. of a term, knocked on their ass day in and day out or night in and night out. And, you know, the coach goes through with them. But if they can, and, and not every coach has the stomach 
to be in a rebuilding situation. No. And, you, you know, and, I'm, and I'm happy that the Sixers, when they, when they finally got the horses, didn't say, all right, Brett, thanks for your, thanks for your right. service. We're going to go with a guy who is a proven winner. No, they recognized what Brett Brown had been. He'd been around the organization. They, they, they loved the guy that he is, and now they're giving him a chance to coach this team when, it, when, they have, when they've got the horses. Yeah, reap the benefits. And, but now, you know, he's got to show that he, can, that he can do it. He can coach at that level. You know, Kenny Atkins is going to find out the same thing. You know, he's, I can develop guys, but, you know, these guys have been a Kenny was around Budenholzer in Atlanta, and he was around D'Antoni in Houston. He, he, he comes from winning culture. Same thing, you know, Brett Brown was around the Spurs for, for years and years. They've been around a winning culture. So they, they're losing now, but they, they, they know what it takes to win. That's, that's the reason why they have those jobs, you know? Yeah, w- without question. Be, be, before I get on to you, uh, the man, and, and what you're dealing with, what do you think, you know, how, you know, for example, LeBron in L.A., where's the balance of power uh, in the NBA, uh, you know, in your thinking right now, Chris? Well, I mean, the, the balance is certainly out west. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And the fact that LeBron is no longer in Cleveland um, has even it has slanted it even more. I mean, the Lakers, boy, they could be they could be pretty good, but they're, they're kind of in between there. They bring in, you know, they bring in LeBron, and then they're bringing in Rondo and Lance Stevenson, these kind of guys. And uh, but then they they're trying to develop young players. Talk about trying to sort of rebuild on the fly. They're they're doing that in L.A. and and I don't even know if you know. There's a lot of teams that you can say should be playoff teams out there, and only eight are going to get in. Uh, the East has been a little different with LeBron out of the East. You know, Boston's going to be better, obviously, because they were really good last year, and now they're getting Gordon Hayward back off the injury, and Kyrie's coming back. You know, Toronto adds Kawhi Leonard, which could make them really good. And but then you got a lot of questions and a lot of interesting situations out there. So the East is sort of up for grabs. It's still the balance is still out there in the West. It's just interesting. I think LeBron finally made a decision to uh, what, it, what him and his family wanted to do, where they wanted to live. Yeah. You know, I don't, I, I, and I don't, and I don't begrudge him or, or that or anybody in that situation. I mean, LeBron's made a lot of decisions over the years to win. You know, he, he tried to take his hometown team, Cleveland, and couldn't get there, so he went and joined Wade and Bosch in Miami, and that was all about winning a championship, and he got that off his back, and, and then he returned home, and he brought a championship back to Cleveland, which, he, you know, I think was – something he was uh, very proud to do, and now he's making a decision for him. He's playing you know, by the rules. I, I mean, you know, the rules allow him to do that. Uh, yeah, uh, he wants to go play in Los Angeles. He lives out there, and he, he's he allowed. loves it out there. Great. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, you're joining the ranks of the greats, and, you know, how are you? I don't, I don't think LeBron needs to worry about his legacy anymore. You know, I think he's, I think he's secured his legacy. I mean, he's that conversation with – Jordan, as far as the greatest of all time, I don't think anything that <laughs> yeah. happens from here on in is going to change anything. If you get into that conversation, you're doing pretty good. With me, folks, is uh, Mr. Chris uh, Carino. And listen, uh, not only, as I said, does he do the Nets now in his 18th year, he also does NFL football for uh, its Compass Radio. In fact, yesterday you were in Kansas City doing a Chief Jaguars game. Yeah. I- I'd say Mr. Mahone's. Uh, he's the real deal. I mean, right now, he and the Chiefs are the real deals. 
he is, and, and I think he didn't have the greatest of games yesterday. He he hadn't had he didn't have a game like he had had in the first four weeks, but he was going up against a great defense, and he made it look easy. I mean, not not Showtime going crazy throwing eighty yard bombs, but boy, he he was able to he puts balls in windows uh, tight windows, and he throws twenty thirty yard strikes effortlessly. Um, got a good head on his shoulders for a young kid. Yeah, a couple interceptions yesterday. You knew they were coming, but the fact that he was able to they would go through a game like that and they win, you know, pretty easy. Uh, it's a it's a really creative offense there. You know, Andy Reid's done a terrific job. Talk about underrated coaches in sports. I know he hasn't won the big one as much as you know when people would want, but uh, you know he's he, that's a really creative system, and they've got the right guy, and it's the modern day NFL quarterback. You can move, athletic, and you can and man, he throws he throws a fastball like like anybody in, in, in these Major League Baseball playoffs well, wishes they could. Well, remember, his his daddy was yeah, a, a, a Major League pitcher for 11 seasons, so he, yeah. know, he knows a little bit about throwing yeah. fa- fastballs. Yeah, and their def- and yesterday their defense, which had sort of been maligned, you know, came up with a defensive touchdown, uh, you know, bent but didn't break. They're still the best third-down team in the, in the NFL, so uh, they, they could be a – right now, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's a team – that looks better than the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I, 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 after five games, I would have to agree. Chris, before yeah. we get on to you, I'm just going to take care of a little business here. So sports fans, listen up. Football season is here, and it is time to get in on the action with MyBookie.net. That's right. MyBookie.net is the industry-leading sports action website offering real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or you can even bet the over-under on on how many fantasy points a player is going to score. MyBookie.net lets you play online and win big. Use promo code LOAD100 when you register for your account and get a 100% signing bonus. That's right, 100%. Did the game already kick off? Forget about it. No reason to worry. MyBookie.net has in-game live action on every major league event, even eSports. There is no better time to join MyBookie.net than today. Right now, go to MyBookie.net to open an account and start winning. Use promo code LOAD100 when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. That's 100%, folks. Get in on the action. Visit MyBookie.net's website today and use promo code LOAD100 to get a 100% sign-up bonus. MyBookie.net, promo code LOAD100 for a 100% bonus. Got it? No deposit necessary. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes. Void where prohibited. You know, Chris, I'm talking with you, and it's almost... Chilling to me, like like your your voice comes through crystal clear. You you are a bundle of energy. All of your broadcasts are the exact same way. And you know, a lot of people don't know this, but um, Chris Carino, folks, uh, does this heavy load of work, all the games, football, basketball, and he does this despite suffering from muscular dystrophy. To be more precise. And if I don't pronounce it correctly, Chris, uh, you can correct me. Fascio scapulo humeral dystrophy. Is that, yes. is that That's it? That's why we say FSHD. F- it's a little easier. FSHD. And because of this, uh, Chris has his own foundation, Chris Carino, uh, foundation.org. Well, first of all, Chris, 
Let me ask you this: How are you doing? Because you've been how, what you were diagnosed how many years ago? Oh, uh, about twenty-five years ago. About twenty-five yeah. years ago. So I've gotten to that point now where I've. I mean, obviously, it's it's a genetic condition you're born with, and in hindsight, when doctors diagnosed me, they looked back at. I had a neurologist wanted to see my pictures of me as a kid Mm -hmm. and, you know, looked at pictures of me when I was 10, 11 years old and just saw the way my smile was. And he said, I could see it then. Really? The the, the weakness in your facial muscles. But until it really started to affect me to a point where I was falling, if I was trying to play a sport and, and suddenly I'd be running to first base and I'd fall, you know, playing baseball or softball when I was playing, it, that that was in my college years, and it started to be, well, all right, well, there's something going on here. And then you go to a doctor, and he tells you, thinks you have muscular dystrophy. And, um, you know, now I've gotten to the point where I've lived longer with it, or at least since my diagnosis, than before, which is... You know, How old so, are you now, Chris? Uh, I'm 48. So, so you've lived, and you've died, so you lived longer with it. Yeah, now and, I've got... Uh, it's, uh, now, wow. Yeah. Or at least knowing it, I've I've always had it. But at least knowing it, you know, since the diagnosis has been, you know, more than than before. And you know, as far as how I'm doing, I mean, it's it's um, it's a progressive disease, and you're working with the fact that you're you're getting older. So anybody would be sort of, you know, physically when you when you get past forty, you're starting to. You know, you start to go the other way a little bit physically. It's why athletes re- retire in their late 30s. Sure. Um, and then you're dealing with the fact that it's a progressive muscle-wasting disease, so you've got a sort of a double whammy, and um, it can accelerate at my age. And uh, it's, you know, you lose a little bit here and there every year, and then what happens is, though, you, you get to a point where sometimes you lose just uh, that little tipping point, and now suddenly it makes things a lot harder. So um, and we can get into a lot of different areas no, of what I, that's I, all about. And I, and I like, and I know you said it and I, and I, I don't, I, I try and correct people when they say I suffer from muscular dystrophy. I just say I'm challenged by it. Um, you know, no way do I consider myself suffering. You mm-hmm. know, things are hard and it's a challenge. It's, it's a lot harder than, than people even realize or um, that I want to sometimes admit, but, you know, I, I I have a you know terrific career, a lot of great friends, and a great family, and you know I I don't I don't see it as suffering at all. Well, I, I, you know what you use the term challenge, and really challenge is, is the correct terminology, if you will, because you know as you know, and you know I'm sure some of the listeners know, you know I've, I've been involved with the. Um, MDA for 30 years. I used to yeah. do the Jerry Lewis Telethon. We still do our uh, annual uh, muscle team gala each year, r- raising yeah. a lot of money. And th- the thing about it is, um, yeah, you say challenge is correct, but it's not just a challenge for the person facing the challenge. It's also a challenge for the families. And, and yeah. that to me, listen, you told me something that, you know, here, knock wood, I'm knocking my head. I'll knock the, the microphone, too. I mean, you, you would diagnose something like 25 years ago. How, how many years you married? Uh, I'm married. We just were married uh, 16 years. 16 years. A couple days ago, yeah. So, so Laura, your, your lovely wife, was well aware 
mm-hmm. of what she was getting into, you know, knowing that this was the case. And you also have uh, Chris Jr. And, you know, yeah. it, it's got to be it's a challenge for them as well. No, no, absolutely. And um, you I think that happens is you, you see, uh, you're, you know, you 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 get into it and, yeah, you know where it's going to go, but you really don't. And, um, but if you love that person enough, then you, you, you know, for better, for worse, sickness and health, you know, you, you, you want to be there. You know, my wife will always say to me, well, I know that you, you know, sometimes I I get a little frustrated or something's going on and she's there to help me and I, and I feel bad. And it's just, it's just like, well, I know if, if, if things were reversed, you'd be there to help me. And I'd say, you know, I have, of course. And if I had a, if one of us had to have go through something, I'd want it to be me and not you. Right. Um, but you just, you have that, that love and respect for each other. And, you know, I used to, sometimes I'll lament when I was younger about not being able to do certain things with my son. Um, but my wife would remind me all the time, you know, you, you, what you were able to give him and show him by what you do as an example in your life, then, you know, that's invaluable too. He's growing up with that, that other fathers can't give him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's always something that, you know, you find that silver lining and, um, you know, I will say this, Russ, and just to go back and touch on the fact you've been with the MDA and doing the, your work in the telethon for 30 years. I mean, I, 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 I've watched you on the telethon for all those years, and, I, and I, I so respect what you've done for all those children with muscular dystrophy, and you continue to do. And, you know, it's funny. I grew up watching that telethon. It was always a we highlight all, of my summer. We all did. Yeah, and, and um, I, I remember I even have a, an aunt out in Long Island who uh, worked the phones. Um, and, and we'd always look forward to it every year and helping. And then she, a couple of years ago, she, she, you know, took a lot, some went around and asked for donations from my foundation. Um, and what's incredible is when you, when I'm sitting in a doctor's office, when I'm 23 years old and not thinking anything about muscular dystrophy Mm. and a doctor is looking at my, you know, the atrophy in my right arm. And he says, you have, you have some kind of a muscular dystrophy and immediately my thought is that telethon you know it's jerry lewis it's the kids in wheelchairs and and that's what i said to the doctor i go wait a minute that's muscular dystrophy is the thing i see jerry lewis at the telethon that's those are younger kids he goes no no there's that's when you learn that there's different types that affect adults and and then you learn all about it and so it's 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 amazing that that's where my mind went to when I was first you know heard the term and it's uh, it's 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 rough to think about early on but I do think that one of the things I that that after I finally got diagnosed and you ask well what can be done you know what do you do and there's nothing mm. at that point and my attitude was at that point you know I still if I had gone from being the the 23 year old getting diagnosed and the way I felt at that moment to now, if that happened in the span of a week, um, it would have been an incredible lifestyle change. It would have been completely debilitating. But what I go through with FSHD, it's very, you know, it's gradual and I've gotten used to it and it's, you know, you're, you're, you're losing a little bit each year and you're adjusting. Um, so it's, it's hard to go through that. But at that moment, you know, I still felt more, you know, uh, virile, you know, more, uh, I, I was stronger and it wasn't 
totally life-changing at that point. So what I say is, all right, well, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can take. Okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to continue to live my life the way I always envision living it. I'm not going to now devote all my efforts into spanning the world to try and find some uh, cure that's, that's, that's uh, some, you know, something that's hidden or, or people don't know about. Like, I'm not going to go chasing windmills right now. Right. I am going to let science take its course. I'm going to continue to, to live my life because what I don't want to have now, it's already robbing me of things that I like to do. It's already robbing me of the strength that I need to do certain things. I'm not going to let it rob me of the dreams that I had as a kid growing up, watching you on Channel 9 or, or other guys, listening to Marv Albert and, and saying, I want to be a sportscaster. You know, I worked with the great Marty Glickman in college, and you know, he, he inspired me to, to be the best professional broadcaster that I can be, and he prepared me to do it. Now here I was facing it. I was 23. I had been award-winning uh, sportscaster at Fordham and I was interning with the Giants and I was working with the Nets and I'm going damn I'm not going to let this thing now it's already going to be a hard enough thing to deal with I'm not going to let it strip me of everything else and part of that dream was having a you know falling in love getting married having a family and when you devote your mind and set set out to do something like that then you go out and you do it and you deal with everything else and, and, and let, see how that can fit into it rather than, than, than sort of uh, mold your dreams around whatever hardships you may be finding. No, go out and, and set forth and, and do what you wanted to accomplish, your accomplishments to be. Go out and accomplish the things you wanted to accomplish and, then, and, tr- and try and do it within the bounds that you find yourself in. And that's just always what I've, been, what I've tried to do. And I... You know, when I think of, of Laura and I think of Christopher, that's that's always been my focus. Well, you, you know, when I had asked you to come on, uh, I don't I'm not laughing, but it's certainly nothing to laugh about. But I remember, you know, and listen, I'm, I'm used to dealing with people and, you know, a lot of them don't have happy endings. In fact, that are quite the contrary. They're, they're, sure. they're sad endings. But I remember you saying to me, hey, Russ, it could be a lot worse. I could have ALS. Mm-hmm. And that might not register with a lot of people, but it, it registered with me because, yeah, I've seen the different stages of, of different diseases. Uh, you know, the, 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 this, I think there's over like 40 neuromuscular diseases. Yeah, it, it, and not to be flippant about something like that. And, and, I, and you know, I kind of just feel like the, I remember at the time when I was diagnosed and they were trying to rule out certain things. I mean, that was one of the things they brought up. Yeah. And and that's a scary, you know, that's it. You go, whoa, all right, well, at least I know my life is not in danger. And, uh, I'm, and, I, and, and, you know, again, you know, certain people, you can, you can look at things one way or the other. You know, some people are glass, a half full guy, Amen. or a half empty guy. Yep. So uh, I look at it and go, well, I get diagnosed this. I say, well, you know, it could be, it could be a lot worse. Well, let me ask you this, Chris, because, you know, seeing you the last time uh, we, we ran into each other, and that's what made me think about, you know, getting yeah. you on, uh, was that during preseason at MetLife Stadium at a Giants preseason game. And, you know, uh, it was obvious to me that obviously the disease has advanced to a point where it, it definitely, you know, it affects your gait and mm-hmm. your use of your hands. My question is, how difficult is it day in, day out, night in, night out? I mean, for crying out loud, 
you're you're in Kansas City yesterday. Am I right? Yeah. You're in Kansas City yesterday doing a football game. You're you're back home in in Jersey today. You know you, you're yeah. walking around. You're not. You know it's not like the average Joe who doesn't have this. Uh, yeah, no, I, mean, I, I, I yeah. How do you do that on, on a daily basis? I got off a plane at 10 o'clock last night at LaGuardia, and I was at the NBA offices today at 6.30 in the morning doing a, a game from China off a TV screen. Uh-huh. Um, well, I will say this. I, I, I used to be much more independent when it came to, to traveling around. Um, I, I, you know, just as you noticed that things probably a little worse than the last time you and I had seen each other, right. um, it's funny because – you know, you get to that point where you need more help to do things. And um, I, I used to think, and that was part of, I think, before I started the foundation, I think, it, you know, back when we started in 2011, no one, people were on kind of a need-to-know basis back then. You know, certain people I was with all the time, they right. kind of needed to know I had certain difficulties, limitations. Sometimes I needed help, sometimes I didn't, but they kind of knew I probably thought I hit it more than I did. You know, I, you know, you, you, we all think we're George Clooney when we walk around, and then you know, you may, you know, you're honest with yourself, and you go, well, you know, I watch myself on tape walking or going to shake somebody's hand. You realize that, no, I do look a little like there's something, you know, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I stopped trying to hide it and think that I didn't want people to know. That's when I came out and I started the foundation, and it also relieved this burden, because you were. You, you, I always say when people, when you try and hide something like this, it, you're, you you have two burdens. You have the burden of the disease, and then you have the burden of of trying to hide it. Yeah. And once you're not worried about hiding it, you always affect. You don't worry about how it affects your your relationships and your you know how people view you. But what are you going to do? It's it's it is what it is. It's there. So you might as well turn it into a positive. And when I, I want to keep doing what I'm doing, I need help. So, you know, when I'm on the road with the Nets, I have Tim Capstraw with me, my partner. And he, you know, will physically lift me out of a chair. And I have other people that we travel with. And when we've got to go up and down the plane steps or get on the buses, that they are there to boost me up, hold my bags, grab me, boost me up, hold, let me hold on to them as I'm walking across the tarmac if there's some wind blowing or there's some ice on the ground. And they all look out for me and they all try and help. And they, and they need more help as we get further along. The company I do football for, Compass Media Networks, have uh, an owner in Peter Kosan who was one of the first people to call me when I started the foundation and said, what can I do for you? And you know, he's been there financially and supporting the, the foundation. He comes to our dinner. He brings the whole company. But also a couple of years ago, he said to me, hey, I know, you know, when you're traveling for us, the crew has come from all over. You're, you're traveling commercially by yourself. Would it help if someone was with you? Hmm. And I said, yes, it really would help. So he said, great. Why don't you have somebody that can help you travel with you? And I'll pay their expenses to travel. And I got uh, my neighbor, Ira, across the street. He's a, he, he's a big sports fan. He just has the empty nest with the kid, the final kid going to college. So he's got his weekends free, and he loves football. And I taught him how to be my spotter. Right. And he comes on the road with me. Excellent. He's a big guy. He can, he can lift me, you know, uh, when I'm in a, in a little plane seat. 
And, and when he goes and gets the rental car when we get there, so I don't have to get on the shuttle and go get the rental car. And he helps me out all these spots. And, um, and he loves it because he's, you know, he's, he's hanging out before the game on the field at Arrowhead yesterday, yeah. you know, for the biggest game of the week. And um, it's a you know, mutually beneficial thing. And so that's the kind of thing where, you know, you, you have to raise your hand and ask for help if you want to keep doing what you're going to do. You know, and eventually I may need more things that are more visual to people that I, in my own mind, feel shocking. Like if I've experimented with using a scooter sometimes to get around, if I'm in a, in a, in, I have to walk along a lot or, you know, I'm on vacation somewhere or it just, these things aren't done to belittle you. They're done to help you be more independent. And, you know, because I, I always, in my mind, am worried, well, all these people that know me, I know, you know, I have so many contacts, so many people that know me. You know, I've been in this business. You know, when you're in art, the business that we're in, you just make so many contacts and people that know you. And now suddenly, you know, what if I need a scooter and they're going to see me in it? How's that going to, you know, how's that going to look? Well, I don't think it's really, it, that's more of a hurdle that I have to get past. That person, I don't think is going to care. In fact, they're going to want to know how they can do more to help. Um, but, you know, it is, it is frustrating because I, sometimes I catch myself where I'm in the middle of a game and it's a good one and I'm having a great broadcast and I go, man, I can do this job really well. I could do it, in fact, as well as anybody in the country. But it is hard getting to that booth. And, and I know that other guys don't have to worry about that. You know, they don't have the, all the guys that I'm competing with in this business, and we know how highly competitive this business is. They, all they're concerned about is catching their flight, um, doing their homework prep. They don't have to worry about, you know, how long it takes for them to get dressed or how they're going to, they need somebody to travel with them so they can get out of the, you know, get up from the plane seat. You know, like, those are the things that I have to weigh on my mind and that take time in order for me to, to exceed in this, and excel in this business. But you know what? I'm not complaining about that. Sure. I'm not saying, hey, life ain't fair. I'm saying, no, it is what it is, but I've got to go now and try and get the help that I need so that I can get to my seat, so I can get to my, my post, and I can do the job that I'm paid to do as, as well as I can do it. And, you know, I, 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 sometimes I say, Hey, it makes the, it makes the accomplishments even more rewarding. Well, because you, I know you, what I had to go through to get there. Your accomplishments. Uh, li listen, uh, I'm not, as only Russ could say in his Brooklyn lingo, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, but for crying out loud, you, your accomplishments and, and Forget your accomplishments as a broadcaster, which are certainly tremendous, but your accomplishment of people listening to this, inspiring people, and they're not just listening to this. You have the Chris, uh, Chris Carino Foundation dot org, and is, is is that if people want to donate or or is that the place yeah. to get in touch with the Chris Carino Foundation dot org? Is there a phone number? That or anything? is that is that's the that's the website. Um, you know, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Okay. You can find us. And, you know, I, I, I try and tell my story as many people as I can. I, I went from, you know, 2010, not, you know, trying to hide it to in 2011, I start the foundation and 
suddenly I'm, I'm telling my story to the world. And I think the, the thing is, I'm trying to reach as many people who, who might hear it and just be inspired, whether they have FSHD or muscular dystrophy or something else. Everybody's got something that they're trying to overcome in their life. Um, you know, I hope I can help those people in some way. And at the same time, there's a practical side of it. And like I said, I wanted to let science take its course. And I think sometimes you have to help with that. Um, you know, miracles, scientific breakthroughs are miracles, but you have to work to make those miracles. You have to put yourself in a position to succeed. And I saw where the science of the disease was that they figured out what caused the disease, this, this overexpression of a gene called Dux4. Mm-hmm. And now all these scientists are, are targeting Dux4 and how we can control it. And we've donated know, somewhere in the vicinity of uh, $700,000 in God grants. Bless. And those are all you know, seed research grants at universities that have led to millions of dollars in NIH grants, National Institute of Health, you know, small breakthroughs with a, that was the thing. I used to, I used to be intimidated because I'd see all the money that Jerry Lewis would raise in muscular dystrophy and say, well, you know, I'm going to need to raise millions of dollars, but no, you can, you can give a $50,000 grant to a university that's studying something and they make breakthroughs that lead to million dollars in, in research grants from bigger institutions. Hey, Chris, let me tell you something. And, and you, you brought up something that's very important for not just your foundation, but for anything. And, and if you recall, when I used to do the telethons, I used to tell people, I used to say, you know, send in the Scott whatever you got, but I'd make sure to say nothing is too small. I, I mean, I don't, you know, you know, a buck to somebody might be a thousand dollars to somebody else or, or vice. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You, you, you know, no, nobody should ever feel, uh, uh, you know, what they donate or like you say, the, to me, it's not a contest. The, no. the, the, it, it, as you said so, so well before, it's a challenge. And the challenge is, you know, when I, when I do my thing each year and believe me, Chris, when is your dinner? Uh, in July every year. Okay, you know what? Where is the dinner? Is it in New York? Russo's on the Bay. Your kind of place out in Howard Beach. Y- you know something? I love to be there next year. You're so, going to be there. So, you will be there. So you let me know. But but you, you know, to, to me, it's just it's it's people need to know that it, there's nothing too big and there's nothing too small. You, no, you, I got I got a. I got a donation one time. We had a, we ran this bike tour uh, that went across the country last year, and um, guys were trying to raise money first. And it was a it was a great uh, physical challenge for these guys, and they did a great job. And they met people along the way. And there was a, a, a family they met out in Salt Lake City that 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 has FSHD. And you know the one boy he he don't he gave he sent a twenty dollar bill and just said it was. It was from uh, the money he made pulling weeds in the garden for, yeah. his, for his parents. And I, and I said, to me, that, that meant more to me than any, not, not to belittle any big donation I've gotten, but that meant as much to me as anything. You know, the sacrifice and, and, and the intent behind it and just people want to help people. And, and the more I do this kind of stuff and talk to people, I, like I said, you want to be in, inspiring to people. But then you also, you know, you meet people that may help. And, and, and financially can help and help us fund more yes. research. And that's, it just takes one, you know, it just but, takes the right person. But, but the most important thing you're saying, Chris, uh, you, you're not, 
your story needs to be out. And, and not everybody knows it because it's an inspiring story. And, and by keeping it quiet, people don't they don't know about it. And, yeah. and that that's the 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 sad thing about listen everybody's entitled to their privacy and I, I always listen if you told me hey Russ I don't want to do this I get you you yeah. know you know I'm not going through it you're the guy who's going through it you you, you know and you don't yeah, know it's hard and and it's hard on and and you know we 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 talked about this you mentioned before about you know my family and 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 Laura and Chris I mean you know they're kind of you know I know Laura is a, a very private person. And, you know, she had to adjust to me sharing all this, but she was my inspiration to share it mm. because she said you can't, you know, bury your head in the sand anymore with this. You have to, you know, you don't know. You may be able to inspire people. You may be able to lead to a cure for this disease. So as private as we like to be in our personal life with this aspect of it, you know, we feel like it's important to get it out there. And it's hard. They have to... You know, they have to adjust to, to seeing me in certain conditions and, and sharing my story. And it's an adjustment for me. I mean, I would love to just be anonymous. But, you know, that's always the way I – even my style of broadcasting has never been to call attention to myself. It's about the game. Yeah. And that's kind of the way I've always approached it. But, you know, knowing that for the sake of trying to get a cure for this disease, i got to get over myself and, uh, you know, get out there and, and try and – you know, ruffle the feathers and, and beat the bushes a little yes, bit. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, you know, Chris, obviously, you know, there's there's a chance your future uh, rests in a wheelchair. Uh, does that prey on your mind, or you just, like you say, get up every morning, put on your pants, and go to work? What 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 has always scared me, that and that was always the thing that probably scared me the most. And then, as anything, when you get, when you, you finally are faced with that thing you fear, it's usually not as bad as you envisioned it to be, because fear is sort of this thing in the future. It's not real. Um, and, you know, danger is real. Fear is not. It's, 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 how you, it's what you conjure up in your brain. And already the little things that I have to do that I never thought I'd be in a position that I needed to help to do, you... you yeah, you go, all right, well, this I, I was so scared of this happening, but now it's here, and this is how I deal with it, if I want to do what I want to do. Um, and I'm willing now to, to see what I'll do whatever I have to do to keep living my life the way I want to live it. And the other part of it is I don't – I get to a point where it maybe sometimes it stops me from doing things, but if I had – if I was in a situation where I wasn't worried about falling or something like that, then I might do more right. with my life. And, you know, whether it be a, a scooter or a wheelchair, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still hoping that, hey, you know, while I'm still getting around like I am now, you know, I know that there's, there's, a, there's a clinical trial coming up next year with a drug. Um, there are more coming down the road. Um, there, there may be, I may worry about the, the end game, but meanwhile, in, in, in two years, there could be a pill that I take every day that's going to halt the progression. You don't know. So, um, you know, I, I just, I wouldn't, there, there, there's going to come, I'm going to use something to get around some point. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I worry, though, sometimes about how it affects the other people in my life. You know, the, the burden that it puts on people that now have to help me with that. Um, and that's always been sort of my, you know, I'm, I've, I've always liked my independence and, 
when you don't have that, it's, uh, it's, it, that's as hard. That's probably the, the biggest fear. But what's the alternative, you know, to, to sit in your house and not do anything? Mm. That's the alternative. And that's, to me, that's not an alternative. That's not going to happen. Well, so, and like I, I one time, Russ, just to finish up, I mean, when it was getting a little more difficult about a year and a half ago, I sat down with Tim Capstraw and I said, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm having a hard time now with this and I don't know how, how long can I keep doing this? And he said, well, you're not going to quit. You're not going to stop. He goes, well, we'll figure out a way. And that's the thing. You know, we just, you, you figure out a way. Well, Chris, I, I got to tell you, it, <laughs> there's one thing about people who ch- deal with the challenge, as you say, of muscular dystrophy and some 40 neuromuscular diseases and yours is FSHD. Um, they amaze me all the time because they continue to inspire. And this has been the most inspiring podcast that I've had since I'm doing it for the past six months. It, it's just uh, you're an inspiration to a lot of people, my friend. And uh, I hope you continue to inspire. And, and I'll, I'll never listen to a Nets game on the radio the same way because it always is going to mean a lot more to me. And I think when people listen to this podcast, it will always mean a lot more uh, to them. It is the Chris uh, Chris Carino Foundation dot org, folks. Uh, go on a website, check it out. If you want to reach into your pockets and send Chris and a foundation, a little Scott Ole doesn't. Nothing's too big. Nothing's yeah. too small. And everything we raise, Russ, we don't. I don't have anyone. I'm up. There's no payroll. There's no rent. We, right. Whatever we take in, we give to research. So, Chris, uh, again, you're an inspiration. Uh, you're terrific at what you do, and the way you inspire just makes uh, Mr. Chris Carino that much more Thanks, special. Buddy. So continue, Thanks, continue good health, and uh, we'll be listening to you uh, come Wednesday night, next Wednesday, uh, when the season opens in Detroit. And, uh, again, all good things, my friend. Thank you so much, Russ. All right. Thank you. That is Chris Carino. And now, folks, man, boy, that is one inspiring man. That's a wrap on today. I want to thank you all for getting a load of this. Now I'd like to get a load of you. You can let me know your thoughts on today's conversation with the terrific Chris Carino. You can let me know on Twitter at Russ Salzberg, on Facebook. You can also check out my website at russsalzberg.com. Easy enough. My thanks to... 77 WABC Program Director Craig Schwab to Assistant Program Director Matt Dahl, my buddy here, running the board across the way, Crash, also known as Mike Caragliano, OG Podcast Network and the OG Podcast Network producer Tim Einenkel, who puts this together. And as always, got to thank you, the fans out there, because without you guys, I'd have nobody to talk to. So until next time... I'm Russ Salzberg saying to all of you, bye-bye, so long, and farewell. Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today, we talk brainstorms with UX designer Brian. Let's go. First question. You thought you'd see everyone's idea in the team brainstorm, but you've got a grand total of one. 
Drawing board or Miro board? Drawing board, right? Because in Miro, the team can add ideas now or later. And with privacy mode, we can keep them anonymous until they're good to share. Correct. Next, you need the best way to explain your idea, but all you have is a few sticky notes. Drawing board or Miro board? Drawing board, because, you know, in Miro, I could record videos, add text, images, links, and digital sticky notes, of course. Present my thoughts the way I want. Right again. Now, you're looking for a past idea you thought was just genius. Only you could find... Oh! There it is. Drawing board or Miro. Our finished and unfinished work lives in one place. And he's won. Join over 60 million people getting ideas noticed in Miro brainstorms. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Yeah, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.